Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. He has Parliament Hill on speed dial, and they know when the phone rings, no comment is not an option. This is The Roy Green Show. Earlier today, I posted on Twitter the uh, video of the autonomous car, the driverless car, in Tempe, Arizona, that ran over and killed a person. And we're going to talk about autonomous cars now, but I just want to read you a little bit of uh, an article that uh, was published in the Atlantic magazine. Self-driving cars still don't know how to see. And this is by Meredith Broussard. She's a university professor and uh, this is her area of expertise. She wrote, On Sunday, the inevitable happened. An autonomous vehicle struck and killed someone. In Arizona, a woman policified, identified as Elaine Herzberg was crossing the street with her bicycle when a self-driving Uber SUV smashed into her. A little later in the article, they investigate or speculate a bit, and uh, this is what it's written. It's too soon to tell whether the Uber crash was a situation where the car was programmed to save the occupants and kill the bystander, or if it was a software malfunction, or if something totally unexpected happened. If the car was programmed to save the car's occupants at the expense of the pedestrian, the autonomous car industry is facing its first public moment of moral reckoning. And the fundamental uh, part of this article is really excellently written, is the cars don't see well, and uh, the professor writes, autonomous cars don't track the center line of the street well on ill-maintained roads. They can't operate on streets where the line markings are worn away, as on many of the streets in New York. These cars also don't operate in snow and other bad weather because they can't see in these conditions. The LiDAR guidance system doesn't work well in the rain or snow or dust, because its beams bounce off the particles in the air instead of bouncing off obstacles like bicyclists. So if the car can't see the person, you get tempe. Now, I've also been reading, and maybe you have as well, that there's going to be a real spurt of these autonomous vehicles, these self-driving vehicles on our roads. And it's going to happen fairly quickly in this country. There are already 18-wheelers in the United States that are doing entire runs that are autonomous. Now, I suppose, you know, from the commercial perspective, that's pretty handy because you don't have to worry about a driver having to take a rest because there is no driver. Now, there are people who are truly enthusiastic about this and believe fervently that this is the future, and they may be right. Barry Kirk is the co-founder and the executive director of the Canadian Automated Vehicle Center of Excellence. He joins us on the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. Barry, thank you very much for taking the time, and 
What do you say to what I just read from that Atlantic magazine piece? Um, um, thank you, Roy, for having me. Uh, let's look at the big picture, Roy. Um, a while back, we did a joint report with the Conference Board of Canada. We predicted that when we have full deployment of autonomous vehicles, we will be able to eliminate 80 percent of the collisions and deaths and injuries. And in the Canadian context, that means we have almost 2,000 traffic deaths a year. If we can save 1,600 lives, that is wonderful. But there will still be about 400 people a year who get killed, um, and that's an average of about one a day. And the problem we have is that people expect the technology to be perfect, and it's not. I'm an engineer, Roy. I know all hardware, all software fails occasionally, and the AV technology will be much safer than human-driven cars, but not perfect. And so in that sense, I'm not surprised by um, what happened in temper, um, and there will be other collisions in the future. If we slow down the introduction of self-driving cars, then we will slow down the saving of all those lives. Now, uh, Barry, I have to say this to you. As I read that particular article, I read, I read a lot of things about the, 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 the autonomous vehicles because I find it fascinating. I don't want one because I, I want to drive myself, but I, I understand the, the future's changing or the future's coming today. The future's changing, in, in fact, because our projections for the future are changing. But what I read... The, the, the concerns that, that are in this Atlantic Magazine article suggest that the problems with the, or, the, or the limitations that the autonomous vehicles have would probably, my guess, may well result in more deaths than the 2,000 that we have now in Canada. Those are very serious concerns. If the car can't tell where it's going, uh, if there, if, Unless what's what, what's the story in Tempe? Is the car programmed to preserve the life of its occupants at the expense of somebody else on the street? I don't know that. That's that's questioned in this particular article. Though those are very serious concerns. If the car can't see where it's going, if it can't drive on a road where there are no lines, if it has trouble in the snow, boy, that's going to be a problem in Canada. Um, okay, I disagree with what that article said. First of all, you know, prototypes of self-driving vehicles have driven literally tens of millions of kilometers. Mm -hmm. um, and they, they can see. Can they see perfectly? No. Um, but they can see where they're going. And the technology is getting better um, you know, month by month, uh, year by year. In terms of seeing... But there the isn't going to be, you know, Barry, there isn't going to be a wait period. There isn't going to be a time where we say, well, for now, this is not buying like buying a, a, a laptop where they're going to update it. This is a vehicle that's going to go on the road, it's going to interact with traffic, and it's going to be exposed to, 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 to kids, and it's going to be exposed to, uh, to people coming out of you know, supermarkets. It's going, to be, it's going to be exposed to everyday life. It has to be able to function in that everyday life scenario without becoming a problem. Oh, absolutely. Um, I agree with you. And that, um, the, the development, the testing is happening you know, in Europe especially and in the States. The first generation of you know, fully self-driving vehicles is already in commercial operation. Mm -hmm. In some places in Europe, you can get onto a low-speed electric shuttle bus that has no driver, um, that rides, um, you know, drives itself on public roads. The first generation is here now, and it's working very, very well, but it never will be perfect. Uh, one of the interesting um, facts, which isn't really mentioned much, is in the seven days before that one woman was killed in temper, 
um, in the Phoenix area, there were 10 pedestrians who were killed um, by um, vehicles driven by humans. How many automated vehicles are running in Tempe, Arizona right now? Do we know? Um, I personally don't know. No. So the guess would be there are many, many thousands of vehicles that are driven by humans. Or, uh, or probably uh, so that, hundreds of thousands. Yeah, yeah, so that 10 people being killed by vehicles driven by humans versus one being driven by a, an autonomous vehicle. That may be the only autonomous vehicle running in, uh, in Tampa, Arizona. We don't know. No, there's, there's uh, a few more than one. But, okay. I mean, but that statistic becomes a little more suspect. Let me read this to you as well, get your thoughts on it. Sure. This, again, is from the Atlantic Magazine article. Um, let's say there's a huge red fire truck idling at the side of the road. An autonomous car can't see the fire truck if the fire truck suddenly pulls out into traffic. Why? Autonomous cars have a stop-and-start problem. They don't have unlimited processing power, so they cut down on calculations by only calculating the potential future location of objects that seem to be in motion because they're not calculating the trajectory for the stationary fire truck only for objects in motion like pedestrians or bicycles. They can't react quickly to register a previously stationary object as an object in motion. If a giant red fire truck is parked and it suddenly swings into traffic, the autonomous car cannot react in time. Though it's running its calculations in microseconds, it still calculates everything equally. So far, it isn't able to recognize a fire truck as a class of objects that might move unexpectedly. A human, by contrast, gets a jolt of adrenaline in a crisis situation that allows the brain to react lightning fast, and the brain sees a fire truck, and it registers that the fire truck might move in the future, so the brain is ready to act. Well, first of all, you know, any vehicle that's parked... Um on the road, anywhere, has, is seen by an autonomous vehicle. I mean, if you're on, a, say, a, a standard four-lane highway and there's a vehicle parked by the shoulder, um, an autonomous vehicle sees it and can avoid it, can move over. But, it, but, does, but does, it look at a, does it see a fire truck and recognize the fact that because it's an emergency vehicle, it may move unexpectedly and it may move very quickly. The human sees the fire truck and the human recognizes that fact. The article p makes the case that the autonomous vehicle can't make, the, can't dis uh, make a distinction between a four-door sedan that's on the side of the road and a fire truck. Well, first of all, it, it, you know, this applies to any vehicle that's parked on a road, not a fire truck, even, as you say, a sedan. Um, the, the artificial intelligence... Um, is being programmed to predict what will happen. One of the other scenarios along the same lines is, which is very real, is if you're on a suburban street and some kids are playing soccer and the ball rolls into the road, um, a human knows that one of the kids may run after the, the soccer ball. And the programming is being designed to predict what humans might do um, as well as what um, vehicles might do. So that is being built in. And yes, you know, AVs can see and uh, are being programmed to predict likely motion. All right. So at the moment, then, there is a limitation. Uh, is that correct? Um, you know, there is. But, you know, but it's being addressed. The, the technology will never be perfect. And that's one of the, the messages here. Uh, but let's put, put into perspective. I have about 30 seconds, Barry. Go ahead. General Motors has announced that it will um, start mass producing self-driving cars in 2019. Um, and it wouldn't be doing that unless um, it felt confident that they would be safe. So uh, uh, one more question. Why do we need them? 
Um, two reasons. One is um, it'll be cheaper for people to be mobile. And second, it will improve mobility for all of us, um, including seniors, handicapped people, and indeed um, millennials who are not getting driving licenses the same way that you, uh, they did in your generation and mine. Mm. Why is it cheaper? Sorry? Why is it cheaper? Oh, because people will not be buying cars as much. They'll be buying rides using driverless taxis. And the study we did with the conference board predicted that an average Canadian family that gets rid of one of its cars and uses driverless taxis will save $3,000 a year. A so, car is a huge waste of money. So next year, General Motors is going to be putting a fleet of these cars on the road. Yes, as driverless taxis. All right, uh, Barry, thank you very much for the time. It's, uh, it's interesting. Many questions being asked, and they need, ha- and need answers. Thank you again. Um, you're very welcome, Mark. All the best. Barry Kirk. Co-founder, executive director of the Canadian Automated Vehicle Center of Excellence. 1-800-263-2428. 1-800-263-2428. My number. We have a few minutes for some calls on this. Um, maybe I'm a dinosaur, but I don't want one. Not a dinosaur. I wouldn't mind having a dinosaur. Um, I don't want a self-driving car. And what I read in that in that Atlantic magazine article scares the hell out of me. So if the if the car has to make a choice, well, I, let's see now. Who do I protect? Do I protect the person in the car, to, or do I protect the person on the on the street? Not a you know, I'm not programmed to protect the person on the street, so I'll just run that dink over. But uh, if you look at that video that the Tampa police released, and I, uh, I, I posted on Twitter this morning at the Roy Green Show. You look at the person in the car, that person is suddenly aware of the collision and the expression of terror on that person's face. Boy, I'm going to be running for steering wheels and pedals. We'll come back at 800-263-2428 and your thoughts and your views. Stay with us.